What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Terminal Transmissions. Another episode. Here we go. Episode three. Get strapped in. So we're going to go ahead and jump straight into Game of Thrones because it's typically our longest piece that we do, especially of the TV section and what have you. So spoiler alert for anyone and everyone who hasn't yet seen episode three, season six. We're not going to talk about anything that was seen in the next week's episode section. This will just be spoilers for anyone who hasn't yet seen season six, episode three. So forewarning you, we'll put the timestamp of when you can skip to on the info. So you don't get spoiled because that really takes a lot of the fun out of it. <laughs> I mean, even though I told you it was Rick on last week. Yeah. So Danny got that right. It totally went down exactly like you thought it was going to, which is very strange. It's not strange that it happened. It was, it was crazy that it happened exactly like you thought it would. No, I was wrong about one thing. Which one? I thought that Osha would be dead. Oh, okay. But yeah, you got the dire wolf right. Yeah. yeah. Shaggy dog. Nobody gives an F about Shaggy dog. <laughs> I mean, compared to the rest of them. Right. So the Umbers, apparently the great John is dead and there's a new Lord of last hearth. So now the Karstarks, the Umbers and the Boltons are some crazy Northern trifecta, which sucks. Rickon's probably going to die. Which I'm pretty bummed out about because I think that it's shoehorning in uh, kind of a strange thing that I didn't really want to happen. That's kind of it's something that's kind of pushed a little bit in the books over and over again for John to be the Lord of Winterfell. Mm -hmm. And I don't like that because it really goes contrary to anything and everything that John would typically stand for. Although that is now completely in flux because he he did die. and, And so, you know, it's a little different. But I think that that's what's going to happen. That's that's what it seems like. I mean, we have no idea because they haven't really interacted yet, uh, Ramsey and and Rickon. But I think that that's what's going to happen is that he's going to turn Rickon into uh, Reek two, Reek three, actually. Sorry, and then it's that's going to be the impetus to bring in John to kill Ramsey and then to be the the new Lord Stark. And I, I get it. And I see that and it makes sense, but I don't like that one bit for like a multitude of reasons. Yeah, I don't either. First and foremost, John died and was resurrected. And I don't want, if he already had to go through that, I don't want his story to then devolve into, oh, he goes back to Winterfell and kills Ramsay and now he's the king of Winterfell and that's the end. Right. He needs his whole other thing with the, with the, <laughs> with the theory. Yeah. He needs to go off on his own and be a bigger player. Yeah. And I would love that. I would love, I would like for that to actually happen for him to become the prince who was promised. That would be really neat, especially because, and it hasn't really told this in the show, so I guess a little bit weird book spoilers here, but Rhaegar believed that he was the prince who was promised. Right. And and he kind of lived his entire life on this idea that he was the prince who was promised. And so it would actually be really cool if, there's a couple of ifs here, if John is actually Rhaegar's son, mm-hmm. one, and two, if it wasn't Rhaegar, but it's John. Because the only other person that we've seen do the weird stuff of the prince who was promised, like setting a sword on fire, was Beric Dondarrion. 
who was also brought back from the dead. So maybe it's just a getting brought back from the dead thing. And that would actually be a cool twist is it's like, it's not just one guy. It just means like when you're brought back from the dead, you're kind of a zombie savior for the Lord of light. And that would be kind of cool. To that me. would be really cool. The other reason why I don't like that is because I, again, I want Sansa to kill Ramsey. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Or I would take Theon. Well, oh, that was my original. And like I've said that previously when we discussed this. Yeah. Um, but now based on where he ends up, I don't know if he's ever going to be back there again. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe, now, he, now maybe that, he stays at Pike. Yeah. 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 Maybe. We'll see. I, I would like for him to actually have some sort of northern redemption because I don't think that there's any any Iron Island redemption story arc for Theon. Uh, well, I, I don't think he needs more of a redemption than what he had on episode two. Yeah? Yeah. Like, going through everything that he's been through, I think, got him level to where he was available for redemption because I think previously he didn't even have the right to be redeemed. Right. But with everything that went down in episode two, even, even at the end of season five with him deciding to, to help Sansa escape. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, killing, killing the, the guy, uh, when they escaped and then being like, no, I, I can't go with you because I deserve more punishment. Right. I think that's all the redemption he needs. I don't think he needs a Northern redemption. Okay. I think that if he can now go to the iron islands and become something more yeah. than what he is, not necessarily a redemption, but just character development. Yeah. Because he hasn't really had any. Yeah, you're, you're right. And at it, all, almost it'll in be, the whole series. Yeah, and it'll be interesting seeing him interact with Euron, because that's that's completely uncharted territory. That hasn't happened in the books, and we've seen a complete different side of Theon now. Right. So it's like, is he going to get that swagger back in any way, shape, or form? Or is he going to be kind of locked in this kind of wretched creature former man guy. See, I, I hope not. I, I mean, yeah, I, I hope not too. Al- Alfie Allen's a great actor and I would like to see him become more than Reek. And I mean, you could make the argument that Reek was character development, but it's not the same. Yeah. Like, yeah, his character developed into like the BS <laughs> character on the show. Right. It's more of a de-evolution. Than yeah, an evolution, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but it would be cool. I mean, Euron's essentially a villain. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to make that determination because the Greyjoys are all kind of villains. Right. Right. Not like, directly like Ramsey, but they're kind of just creep shows and kind of so it would be cool to see him potentially take you know like some other other form of a character than he's been right right well well i just mean like if he in in some way plays a role in taking the like the what's the word i'm looking for like the like command of yeah the, the king the kingdom see yeah, yeah. I mean, from from your on. Yeah, yeah. Taking the throne from him. Yeah, yeah that would yeah. be interesting. It was hinted that we're gonna get the king's moot. I mean, not not really even hinted. Aaron Greyjoy just said it. Right. So we are going to get the king's moot. So in the books, Theon's not there because right. he's still at Winterfell at that time. So it remains to be seen. Maybe Theon's just gonna show up and be like, "Hey, y'all, uh, I get to go to the king's moot now too," which would be cool. It'd be interesting. And I would like more for his sister to actually get it. Yeah, me too. But it would be cool if he played a role. Even if he ends up like killing Euron or helping in some way to overthrow him or cuz I mean it, it, you can't really end the series with him being the king. Yeah. Cuz he's like a villain. Yeah, yeah. And he's, a, he's not a good guy. No, 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 no. So that would be cool to see and that would be sort of a redemption arc but going in a different direction and not having him like because honestly drawing Theon back into the whole like Ramsay Winterfell thing at this point I think would be unnecessary. I believe so as well. Yeah. Because now you have the Boltons, the Karstarks, the Umbers, 
Sansa, John potentially, Rickon, Bran might be involved in that whole thing. You don't yeah. need to drag Theon back. There's no point. Yeah, I agree. And I also wanted to to mention one other thing about John. And I wonder if this was pointed about kind of what we were talking about, about if he was brought back, is he the same person? And he's even kind of already mentioned it. Like, I don't know. So there's a big thing in the books of Ned made this big point of, you know, if you're going to kill someone, if you're going to execute someone, do it yourself, you do it yourself. And like, it was a big deal of actually chopping their head off versus hanging. But then when Janos slint, who directly led to like he betrayed Ned and was one of the big reasons why Ned was killed. He was later sent by Tyrion to the wall and then he started disobeying orders when John first became Lord Commander. And there's a there's a poignant scene in which John says bring me a noose. And then he go, he on second thought, no, actually bring me like a chopping block and he, right. and so it's a big deal that he's like no 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 hang on actually that's not like the Stark way that's not the the North way but then he hanged those those guys yeah all of them and I'm like was that just to do it more simply in the show and get it over with more quickly or was that actually supposed to be a subtle nod right to him losing a little bit of a part of himself I really wonder. That would be really, really solid writing if that was the case. Yeah, and that's that's immediately what I was hoping. As as soon as it showed it that they had they had nooses around their necks, and John wasn't just like, okay, don't no no no, bring them down. I'm gonna chop their head off, heads off. As soon as he did, just hang them. I was like, okay, hold on. Was that was that pointed? Because if so, that's going to be incredible, right? And that was actually something that you predicted. He did. He did say that his watch was ended and quit. Yeah. So I, I'm, and I'm really glad. I, I think that that's an awesome, awesome way of incorporating him into more into Westeros as a whole, instead of just having him live the rest of his life on the wall. Don't get me wrong. The wall has a lot of stuff going on, but it would be really, really, really cool to finally get to see John go back into Westeros because no one's ever gotten to do that before. Right. No Night's Watch guy. Like Sam's getting to do it a little bit, but only kind of, and yeah. that he's getting sent to Old Town to the Citadel to train as a maester. He's still going to be a member of the Night's Watch. He just gets to go down there for a little bit, and that's still not getting to live your life. It's still following orders. Right. So it's really neat that, no, John's done now. He can go do whatever the hell he wants to, and that's really cool to me. I think it's going to be way cooler now, although I, I'm still on the fence a little bit of how I feel about him getting brought back. But again... If it's if it's cool and they do it in an interesting way, then I'm all for it. Right. I really at this point, like I'm I'm over it. I accept it. It's not going to change, obviously. But if it's consequence free, I'm going to be very disappointed. Yeah, me too. Um. So what else happened? Uh, they straight up said Sir Gregor. Yeah, yeah. They just revealed that. Yeah, it, they, they never called him. Uh, what is it, Sir Rod- it, Robert it, Strong? Yeah, Robert yeah, Strong? Robert Strong. Robert Strong. Yeah, I think never, it's Robert. They never said it once. Yeah. They were just like, ooh, it's Sir Gregor. He's my friend. I guess they just decided to do a more simple version. Right. And they were just like, oh, no, he he survived. The mountain survived. And now he's a member of the King's Guard, but he's taken a vow of silence. Yeah. But in the books, they're like, oh, this is some other guy. Right. So, I mean, I'm not super mad that they did it in that way. But then they did have that scene where uh, at the small council, they talked about how he's he unnatural. Yeah, yeah. They, they said, like. We didn't approve this like freak show. We had yeah. nothing. To, we did not tell him that he could do these experiments on Gregor and make him a mutant freak. Yeah, and I, I like that. And I like that 
that Picel is so weirded out about Quiborn. Oh yeah, he's. I so, love it. Oh yeah, it's so cool to have, have these two completely different scholars, and and they're both there and yeah. and getting to do completely different things because Picel sucks. Yeah, he's boring. Yeah, and, and he said that bit. He said, uh, "I think we should destroy the the beast or something like that, <laughs> the monster." And, and he's just, like, "Oh, oh <laughs> he's standing right behind me, isn't he?" <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, we got to see a little bit more of the Tyrols, which we hadn't seen. Uh, in like a thousand million millennia. Yeah, in a while. So, yeah, we haven't seen Marjorie at all in this season. No, no. It showed oh, her oh, for yeah, yeah, one that's right, second. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We haven't seen her brother. No, he's just as gonzo. <laughs> he's busy being Iron Fist. Yeah. yeah. Who else? Ooh. Who else? Um, Arya completed... The next phase of her training, yeah. Which I'm seeing a lot of people online are like they're bored with the Arya storyline. I think it's awesome. Yeah, wow, that's wild. So most importantly, it does two big things for me. One, it shows that it's not just easy, and they didn't again <laughs> using the same example I used before. It's not just some '80s movie montage, right. know, kung fu montage, where it's like, okay, you're training, and now you're an assassin. I like that it's taking time. Right. Because it showcases that she's having to actually struggle to do this and she's having to tear down these walls and, and, and build herself into something anew. And honestly, like even if it was taking a little bit too long, which for me it's not, but I get what people are saying. I can see their perspective on it. Uh, I don't really care because I like seeing her like come up and become better than I don't remember her name, but the girl who's been like just basically abusing her the whole time. Yeah. They haven't given her a name. They call her like a girl. Yeah. They, well, they call her like the, the, the whelp or something like that. It's something real weird. But it's, I mean, she's basically just been a bully the entire time she's existed in the show. Yeah. Um, so it's very cool to see her get like told no. Yeah. And it, and it was awesome. That, that was a really cool thing. And the, the other thing that I like about that, that story arc is that, it shows further character development that you normally don't get in the show, but that you do get in the books, like right. her talking about the hound and being conflicted. Right, right, right. And it was I was very lo- cool. The way that they did that yeah. to add in more like of Arya's character development, flashing back to that, but like having her explain it in a new way was yeah. very cool. Yeah. Where my favorite part of it is that she's trying so hard not to lie, but she can't tell even to herself what's a lie and what's not a lie when it comes to him because she did hate him and he was on her list and she did want to kill him. And then all of a sudden she's like, Ooh, but why didn't you? And it's like, Ooh, well, okay, well maybe I didn't. And maybe I'm just realizing that right now. That's really cool. And it's a very, it's a very like psychology thing. Like, and I really liked uh, it was for me, it was a really, really good display of acting on the whelps part when after Arya kind of like completes the phase and the faceless man is there and you can kind of see that like you, you've gotten the impression throughout his entire story arc that Arya is kind of like his favorite. Yeah. Uh, and you could see the jealousy on the whelp's oh, face yeah. when like when Arya like walked off. Yeah. And I was like, yes. Like, yeah, that, fate, it was super just, cool. She was just like, mm, I hate Arya. I, I just <laughs> bully her more. Absolutely. I also want to say that that actor, the fa- the faceless man, he's the best is awesome. Yeah. He's incredible. I'm so glad they brought him back I, I, because I, I in too. the books it wasn't, it wasn't right. It was someone else. Like, wasn't it a specific character that was, was in that role? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a different man. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a completely, although there's like hints that it's, it's him. Right. right but, a but it's, yeah, it's a different, it would have been a different actor if they yeah. had gone the same route, but yeah, that, that guy's great. 
Yeah, and he, uh, that bit when Arya says, uh, when the whelp is like, that's a short list. Are you sure there's no one else you want to kill? And she's like, what name would a girl like for me to speak? <laughs> yeah, I was just yeah. Like, oh. yeah, that's totally a throwback, and I loved it. Yep. And it is funny, too, because there are a lot more names on that list. Oh, yeah. And so it was cool for her to like, it was also, again, that's going another part of that. It's it's showing that she learned how to lie to her finally. Yeah. Yeah, she Finally. she she's totally just lied to her face, and that and that woman is basically a human lie detector. Yep. I re- I'm gonna have to look up what her name. is. I know it's something weird like that, but it's yeah. Well, let's just keep using the whelp because I like that. So we're about thirty decades into talking about Game of Thrones right now. So do you want to just talk about Tower of Joy for like five seconds and then move on? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. So Tower of Joy, we got a sampling. It wasn't the whole the whole caboodle. Right, which is what I figured. I figured that it wasn't going to be the whole thing. Yeah, there's thing. no way they were going to give away whatever the actual punchline to that is right. in the third episode. I am hoping that it does happen in this season. I'm scared that it won't be and that they're going to keep dragging this out. I would hope not because we don't have very much left after this season. Yeah. And they have made a big point. Uh, the the Three-Eyed Raven has made a big point uh, and, the, and the Child of the Forest that Bran is going to go back to Westeros. Right. So with that being the case, with him not being there for very long, hopefully they fully explore it. But also, secondly, hopefully in his training soon, he won't need the Three-Eyed Raven to be able to do that. He'll just be able to go do it. So it remains to be seen. But hopefully we get it this season. That's what and, it, and there's that whole bit with Leaf talking to Mira about how Mira would help him leave. Right. So I was wondering if Bran was going to like warg into Mira. Oh. Yeah, because how what how else would she help him leave, other than he just leaves? I have no idea. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like she is a combatant. Like possibly he he ends up you know being the tree and not being able to leave, and so then he just wargs into Mira to leave. Maybe which it's a wild theory. I just yeah. I I couldn't think of a reason why it would be significant that she would air quotes help him leave. Yeah, I have no idea. Like he's going to need your help to leave. Like, <laughs> yeah. what, what does that mean? Is she going to well, chop the tree down? <laughs> well, well they are kind of in a bad spot where they kind of are trapped in that place because of those zombies right outside. Right, but I mean they were jammed up when they got there. It's yeah, not like true. Mira's suddenly going to get fired up and <laughs> and now without Jojen, right, be better. Yeah, that's than true. Then when they had to flee the first time. Ooh, not looking good. No. Not, so no. I I don't know. Um it's just something that popped into my head. Yeah. Because the, the the whole thing is that he's supposed to not be able to leave, right? He's supposed to become the tree and then be stuck there for a thousand years. Yeah, maybe. But I don't know. They, they've mentioned it that, that you know, he's not going to be here forever. You know, he's Man, why can't... Is he, like, ineligible to be the Lord of Winterfell now that he's, like, paraplegic? No, he, no, 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 he would still be. So it should just be him instead of John. Well, yeah, they just don't know that he's alive. If they were to, if they were to take Bran back to Winterfell... He he would be the eldest, right? Legitimate son of Ned. So, yeah, he would be that. He would technically be the Lord of Winterfell, unless the king were to legitimize John, and then John is older, which I don't want. Yeah, and I mean, there's no reasoning behind that. There's no reason that that would ever happen because right. it's not like the crown would be friends with John. So in the books, Stan, and maybe in the show too, I get the two confused a lot. Uh, Stannis offered that to John, right? He offered to legitimize him as king, which would make him John John Stark. But it didn't happen. John chose not to because of his watch. But now his watch has ended, so maybe he will. Again, though, I don't want that. I still want the whole ridiculous. He's like the king of the whole everything. I want John to be in the Iron Throne, or I want Mira to be in the Iron Throne yeah. with Zombie John <laughs> having some other role. 
Yeah, that would be cool. I, st- I know that the, that the theory of them being twins is real far out there, but it would I, still be cool. I wanted it anyway. It would it would be really cool, and I would I'd, I'd never heard that theory until just a few weeks ago, and you told me about it, and I'd never heard that, and I think it's so cool. It makes so much sense. Yeah, they're like the same age, they look similar. Howland was there. He's yeah. the only other person that, that came out of it. That to me is the biggest one. That's that to me is the biggest thing that pushes that theory into any kind of credibility for me is that Howland was there as well. We'll see. That's enough Game of Thrones for right now though. Yeah, Lord have mercy. We, on we're, we're 20 we're 22 minutes into Game of Thrones. No, we're going to have to we're going to have to cut it. Yeah. We're going to have to edit it, trim it down. So, uh, while we're still talking about it though just for a second, we'd kind of had the idea of what if we did a separate uh, podcast for Game of Thrones while the season's new? Just like a 30 minute once a week, like we would we would record it on Sundays after the episode and then hopefully try to upload it like Monday or Tuesday. So if you guys think that you'd be interested in that or that's something we could do so we're not jamming up the first 30 minutes of every episode talking about Game of Thrones for the next 10 weeks, uh, just let us know. You know? Yeah, because we could fill up an entire podcast of just Game of Thrones stuff if you couldn't tell. So if, yeah, if absolutely. If that's something that you would be interested in, please let us know. And we would be happy to do that. Yeah. It wouldn't be as much of like a big production as uh terminal transmissions, but we would just do a 30 minute game of Thrones episode like every week. Yeah. Separate and be happy to do it. It would take almost no effort yeah. on our part. It would be incredibly easy because it's obviously we can ramble about game of Thrones pretty much infinitely. Yeah. So anyway, uh, in other TV news, they are making a Philip K. Dick based, anthology series it's being made by channel four which is a british company Uh, and it hasn't yet been like picked up by any u.s companies but i'm sure it will uh but it's being executive produced by brian cranston and he's going to star in some of the episodes yeah i'm really pumped about this now when they said anthology it wasn't clarified if that meant it was episodically or yes if it was going to be episodically like uh twilight zone or Outer Limits, or if it was going to be seasonally like uh, American Horror Story or right. True Detective. The fact that Brian Cranston is reported to star in multiple episodes kind of leads me to believe that it'll be more like American Horror Story, right. in which each each season will be different. Right. But like, Philip K. Dick has a lot of really good source material. Yeah, he does. Absolutely. Like, people know about like three of his books. Mm-hmm. He's got like hundreds of books. Yeah, he has a, he has a lot of work. Yeah, it would be really cool, and I'm I'm really pumped about this. I love Brian Cranston. I think it's going to be awesome. I I would like it either way. If they do it Twilight Zone style, or if they do it American Horror Story style, I I would like it either way. Yeah, so let's let's do uh, it. And uh, honestly, like an episodic anthology like Twilight Zone with all Philip K. Dick material would be great because he has a ton of short stories. Yeah, the only thing I'd be worried about there is sci-fi is really hard to set up in bite-sized chunks. Like, hey, have you guys ever heard of the X Files? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess they're. Yeah. But I would. I'm talking about more Philip K. Dick stuff, where like his his worlds were so detailed that it's very hard to jump in and just get that and get out. Not if you. Not if the the production design is done really well. Yeah. Right. Because when you're reading that, it seems like a lot. But when you're looking at it, all you need is one picture. Yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. Like if he spends like 15 minutes describing the world, but then you can just put it in one shot of a city you get like half of that information just from seeing the cityscape. Like yeah. You can, you can, you can get a lot of information just from looking at that image and being like, okay, this is obviously, you know, the type of city that we're in or, right. or the type of society that we're in. Yeah. And, I, and I, I, think I, right. I agree with you, but I don't think it would be impossible. Oh, I don't think it's impossible. I, I was just saying like, I think that it would lend itself more to longer. Yeah, probably. And so, and so that's why I like it. In my mind, I was immediately jumping to like a more American Horror Story style than Twilight Zone style. But 
either way, it's going to be awesome. I have complete and utter faith in Brian Cranston. I think it's going to be incredible. Yeah, and uh, it's being written by the guy who wrote Outlander and the guy who wrote uh, Masters of Sex, which I haven't seen either one. I saw like the first two episodes of Outlander, um, but I do know that they are both well-written. They're not necessarily okay. series that I'm like excited about, but I know that they are both well-written, so that's exciting. And again, with source material, you kind of have a, a handicap there for writing it, honestly. <laughs> right. Just, like, he has so many cool stories. And yeah. like there's 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 things out there, you know, series and movies and things that have been inspired by his work that people don't even realize they were inspired by. Right. But yeah, it, it should be really cool. Yeah, he's he's incredibly prolific. Yeah. So well jumping over in the sci fi vein, there's going to be a pilot done for sci fi, sci fi channel, for a Krypton prequel show series. Right. Which is really cool to me because it takes all of the elements of Superman out of it. Right. Because they're just like humans. Yeah. They have super mega advanced technology, but they're just regular Joes. Right. On Krypton, in that solar system, they don't have powers at all. Yeah. Because the Red Sun. Yep. So I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see this. I really hope that it does well. There's no promise that it'll actually be made because there's a lot of sci-fi pilots, even with big names attached and what have you. They just go straight into the trash can. Yeah. But I would love for it to actually be the case because I think that and this is the only reason I even want to talk about this because there's no info about this, but I love their technology. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. That was one of my favorite parts about man of steel was the flashback scene. Yeah. With uh, Russell Crowe and showing all the really cool technology. And then even when, uh, Kal-El finds the ship. Yeah. And it shows like more like that, those weird floating head robot, like yeah, spherical, micro, like nano. I don't even know what they were, but yeah. they were super red. Yeah. All of that has always been really cool to me. I actually loved how they did that in Man of Steel, making everything like monochromatic. I loved that. And that's not typically how it's portrayed in the comics. And I don't mind that at all. But I'm very interested to see what they would do with a well-funded, well-done series set on Krypton, where it's just House of L, who was... In the comic books, House of L had fallen on some hard times, and they were known for being kind of weird and for bucking the rules. Right. Uh, because Krypton had a lot of rules. Right. Specifically in terms of genetics and... Casts. Yeah, very, very weird stuff, very authoritarian stuff. Yeah. And they'd kind of been bucking that for a few generations. So, yeah, it would be really, really cool, and there's a lot of stuff to work with there. So I'm, I'm very interested in this. Yeah, um, there's not a lot of information out about it right now, but I mean, just the idea that it could happen is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm always down for, for more comic book uh, media, honestly. Yeah, sure. absolutely. So on to uh, science stuff. I read a really cool article about some guys who are working on, essentially, it, it's an advancement for VR, uh, and it had some side effects that they weren't expecting that are very, very cool, or promising anyway. Okay. So basically, your average VR headset has a field of view of 110 degrees, whereas an actual human eye field of view is 180 degrees. So even the very best, you know, like the Vive and the Oculus Rift, you're still missing a lot of that field of view. So you're seeing a lot of dark space on the outside of your vision, which is, you know, something that is not perfect with the technology. So these guys had the idea to fill in that blank space with LEDs. Uh, and run them through like a screen to diffuse the little bit light a little bit so that it's not just, you know, blaring LED light. So essentially what it does is it creates the illusion of the image. It matches the light and the color of what would be in that blank space. So you're not looking directly at it because you're looking through the lenses. 
right. but in your peripheral where you would see the black space of the headset, yeah. you're then seeing light and color to match what the image would actually be. And it's pulling this directly from whatever you're viewing, you know, or playing. Right. And it just kind of just syncs up with whatever the display is and then shines it through those LEDs. Exactly. Okay. So you're not seeing the actual image, but it is it like can, the ambient light. Exactly. Basically. Exactly. So uh, through your peripheral, it kind of creates the illusion that there's not black space on the outside. So That's it's so more cool. immersive. Now, the cool thing about it is the side effect, they found out that it incredibly reduces like motion sickness. Oh, okay. So the, the whole nausea thing uh, was reduced by this. Uh, eventually their goal is to, or the idea would be to reduce the size of the LEDs to get it closer to being more like a pixel on a screen. So okay. So you can do slightly more detailed images. Oh, wow. Um, so then it would blend even better. But it's a really, really cool idea. They made uh, a prototype using uh, an Oculus... DK2, which actually only has an 80 degree field of view, I believe. Oh, wow. But they did create a prototype and it does work well. Uh, so hopefully it's something that we could implement in the future to, in some regard, the idea of filling in that blank space uh, yeah. is something that would be very, very great for the advancement of virtual reality. Yeah, that would be super cool. That's that's really interesting. And I'm glad that we're already seeing, again, we've, we've talked about this, about how this burgeoning field of VR is already getting improvements to it even though it's really new and, and, and this new thing. And I love that. I really like that. So jumping over a little bit, but still in the science vein, some scientists have come up with molecular motors, which is <laughs> the coolest thing that I think I've ever read. So it's really neat. And I'm going to tell a story. And I think I've actually told this to you before, but it's, it's really short. But when I was in the eighth grade, I read this book of science essays. It was just a book of scientists that were writing essays that were uh, kind of not dumbed down, but a little bit dumbed down just for the layman. And it was really cool. I just found this in the library and I, I read it and there was one that was on nanotechnology and I was really pumped about this. And one of my friend's dads, he had a, two degrees in physics and he did some work with, I believe with the college and everything. Anyway, whatever. So one day I was like telling all this and I was like talking about this cool nanotechnology and I'd read this cool essay about nanotechnology and I was fired up about it. I was right. like 12 years old, 13 years old. I'm super mega fired up about nanotechnology. And he kind of just stomped in and kind of... You're afraid? Yeah. And he, he was like, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, nanotechnology is cool and all, but we're so far away from that and blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm a head and I'm a physicist. And, and he's talking about it being like centuries away. And so I was really bummed out about this because at the time like, he could have told me anything and right. I would have believed it. Uh, and so I was like, oh man, like that sucks. And so I was really bummed out about it. And then just a few years later, I read this other thing that kind of said the same thing. And so it further bummed me out. And that, but the article went on to say the first step would be creating a single cell organism because at that point, science had not yet done that or come close to it. Right. And it was saying that that was the, the, basically the, the cornerstone of nanotechnology. And then in like 2009, we did that. Here it, we are. It was just like, it was like legitimately three or four years after I read that other article. Right. And it was like, oh, cool. So to read an article like this, which is like 15 years after my friend's dad told me all about how this was 200 years away. And then for me to read an article today and yesterday about molecular motors, and they're talking about having synthetic nanomachines mimic organic, natural 
functions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and work together. And, but more importantly for us to be able to control that. Right. And to be able to guide these nanomachines, these tiny, 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 tiny machines and tell them what to do at the nanoscale. And it's so, so it's so cool for me to be able to read that after just like 15 years ago when this dude was like, oh yeah, that's never going to happen. Not in your lifetime or your like great, 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 great grandkids lifetime. Right. And so for me to get to read that, I'm like, oh yeah, well, f*** off. <laughs> well, and the cool thing about it is, is so in my mind, you know, with what's been put in my, my brain about nanotechnology through, you know, basically sci-fi. Right. Uh, I always pictured it as like these little blood cell sized guys <laughs> that swim around in your bloodstream and do stuff. This is like, like three molecules linked together. Yeah. Being a motor. Yeah. That's it's way like, smaller than that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he was way wrong. Yeah. And, and it's cool. The funny part to me is that, well, I mean, I get it. Like he, he wasn't like clairvoyant here or anything. And, and I think that that always happens that the scientific breakthroughs happen and it kind of sneaks up on people, even people with master's degrees in physics, you know? So at the time it just sucked because to me he was, you know, an authority on science. Whereas now being older, now I understand that that's not how science works, but it's super cool. It's super cool to see anything like this happen. I think nanotechnology is the future and I'm, I'm happy to see big breakthroughs like nanomotors. Happening. Love it. Yeah. So jumping over big time to video games, we have recently been playing a ton of the beta for Overwatch. Wow. Way too much. <laughs> yeah. I think I played from the time that I got off work yesterday until the time I went to sleep. I played Overwatch. Sounds about right. Yeah. It's incredible. So funny enough, where I, I love Blizzard and have for a very long time, although I, I haven't played too much of their games in the past few years because I'm not a huge fan of MOBAs, so I didn't get into Heroes of the Storm. Uh, then I, I don't play Hearthstone and I don't play WoW. So my love for Blizzard goes back to Diablo and before that to StarCraft and Warcraft, not World of Warcraft. The original Warcraft. The real, the real one. <laughs> right. And so for them, when they, when they dropped this game and they showed the artwork, I was absolutely blown away. And that was last year. I believe it was last year. Yes. And I remember seeing the artwork for it and going, holy <laughs> this looks incredible. But I don't have a gaming computer. I don't have a you know good enough computer for any and all of that. I don't have an Xbox and I believe it originally was was said that it was only going to come out. Yeah, at that time when they when they announced it it was not reported to be on PlayStation 4. Yeah, and so I was instantly I kind of just tuned it out because I was bummed out about it. I didn't want to get hyped for a game Same. that I would never get to play. Well, then they they announced the beta for it and dun, da, 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 it's coming out on PS4 as well. And I decided to get on board with it. I didn't think that I was going to like it because for some reason I thought it was going to be a MOBA. Right. I thought it was going to be like a, a shooter MOBA, first person shooter MOBA. And I couldn't have been more wrong. That is zero the case. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where that idea came from, but it was described to me by someone else like that. And so it's not that at all. It's just a shooter in, in the same vein as Team Fortress 2. And when we say the same vein, we mean the blood cells are touching. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's uh, it's basically the same game, but way prettier with a ton of characters, an absolute ton of characters and, and better gameplay. Yeah, I mean, 
It's just it's just the same thing, but updated in every way. I would say so better. Yeah. So I would say the coolest aspect to me is the characters. Absolutely. They're all cool. I think there's two that I don't really like and I, I, it's not even like them. Right. It's, it's more that I don't really like their gameplay. Right. Right. There's characters that I don't have fun playing, but the characters themselves are still designed incredibly well. Yeah. Like I have zero fun playing as Winston. Yeah. But having like a huge, sentient like space gorilla <laughs> you had to they had to like, do it he can go into like berserk mode and then f- jump around and crush people or he can go full science and like blast you with his blaster and like set up a force field yeah it's awesome yeah i just cool. don't enjoy playing as him yeah and, and but it's really cool and it, it actually has caused a problem for me in which i want to play too many people oh yeah I can't tell you how many games I've started asking the people on my team, who should I play as? Yeah. Because I can't choose. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually a problem. It's, it's a hindrance because there are so many cool characters and I believe they've already announced that there's going to be more. So I can't wait. Yeah. I think that the game will really lend itself to releasing new characters frequently. Yeah. And I hope that that's the case. Yeah. Me too. So yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. The, the beta ended today, but it comes out in something like two weeks. Yeah. It comes out on May 24th. So if you are interested in any kind of shooters, especially like old school shooters, kind of like Unreal Tournament, Quake 3 Arena, Team Fortress 2, of course. If you're interested in any of that, absolutely jump on. It's a blast. I'm like upset that I can't play tonight because I spent the last three days basically doing nothing but playing it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually bummed out that the beta ended and I have to wait two weeks to play it. I'm, I'm like, I've, I've been dreaming about it. I, it's, it's a, an incredibly addicting game. It's awesome. Can, I can't, I can't say enough how much I've been blown away by it. Yeah. It's really, really fun. And I, I've said this a few times, even while playing with people that I have fun, even when we're losing. Yeah. Like you, you can be, or at least for me, I can be getting demolished and still just having a blast because everything that you're doing is so exciting. Yeah. Like it's fast paced and everyone has such different abilities. Like there's no one that feels similar to anyone else. Yeah. Not, not a single character feels in any way similar to any other character. Yeah, in the game. They did a great job with that. Yeah. There's a lot of character diversity in it. I would say that everyone feels right. Like all of their abilities match them. Right. So um, yeah, absolutely great job. I would say my only, my only detraction my only thing that I would I would say I dislike is that almost every character works synergistically with the same character. And so I would say if anything, if anything at all, I would say that they should kind of like Battleborn multiplayer where you, you it's mandatory that you have unique heroes. I think that that Overwatch should do that because, yeah, like Danny and I were playing last night and there was a team at one point that had three bastions and Finding one Bastion is mega difficult because he's kind of an OP character. And by kind of, I mean a lot. But he's manageable if there's one of them. But for a team to get to have any more than one is ridiculous. And a team could theoretically have up to six. And it's just like, oh. We played another game where they had two. And then they had this other character that had he, he can make a century he's basically the engineer from team fort so we were facing of a six-man team two bastions two engineer guys with centuries and then a sniper and then they had someone else and there was legitimately nothing 
that we could do. And it was so frustrating that it's like, could you just make it to where you can only have one of each hero? So on here's team? a question. All we ever did was find a game. We never tried creating a custom game. Did we do that and see if there was an option to limit characters? Was there like a create a game function? Yes. That, I thought that was just for like your team to fight uh, computers. I know that you could like create those games. I, I Well, there was a play game option that then allowed you to choose versus AI, but there was also like a create a game option. Yeah, see, I thought for some reason in my brain, I just naturally thought that that meant that was also like versus computers. Yeah, we should have checked. Okay, well, when the game comes out, if we had just totally missed that, then I'll feel like an idiot. But Oh, it's okay. I just thought of it just now. Yeah, but if not, I would say if 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 that's not an option, then I absolutely would beg Blizzard to make that change because it was so frustrating. And it just doesn't make any sense. It's just 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 let, you know, it makes sense in Team Fort because there's a lot less characters. And on top of that, you can potentially have a lot more players per team. Right. And so you there's no real way and they still even limit it somewhat. But yeah, for, for a team to just... Like, I played one random match where four of my teammates were Reapers. And it was just like, guys, that's just mean. That's just unfair. Because again, almost every character works synergistically with themselves. So it's like, ooh. Yeah, I'm also uh, bummed that the beta is over. Uh, but in another way, I'm happy that the beta is over because Uncharted 4 came out. <laughs> and if the beta was still going, I probably wouldn't be touching Uncharted 4. Um, but I actually want to talk about Uncharted 4 just for a second. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to spoil anything because I know that it's one of those games that can be heavily affected if you know what happens. Um, I've only played it a little bit, but right from the get-go, they hook you with like the incredible you know, environments and, and set pieces and just the ridiculous like action sequences. Yeah. And one thing that I love about the Uncharted series is they get you with these moments that you can't tell if it was intended for you to run into this or if you just happen across it like you you know that the events themselves are scripted but you're not sure if it was a chance that you would have that scripted event happen to you right and and i love that so it's it's gorgeous the the faces are incredible like the face facial animations are incredible the voice actors are great uh the settings great the the sets are great it's it's just a gorgeous and fun game uh, and then they've added some new gameplay mechanics from the original three, and then they fixed a lot of the things that I've heard people complain about. So I highly re- recommend playing it. My one thing is there are essentially four different ways to go, and go about playing it in regards to the, the original three games. So one, just go ahead and play the three. Play one, two, and three, and then play four. If you can't do that, just watch like Let's Plays. Just get on right. YouTube and watch Let's Plays of one, two, and three, and then play four. Barring that, just try and find like all cutscenes. Yeah. Just just YouTube like all Uncharted 1 cutscenes and watch that. And then if not, just still play 4. Even if you can't watch the games or play them, just play 4 because it's it's an incredible incredible game. Like it's absolutely engrossing and gorgeous and fun and exciting and they just hook you with these moments out of like an action movie. And it, I, I, you, you have to play it. It's a must play. I, I absolutely would call it a must play game. That's awesome. I'm definitely going to get it. I'm, I'm going to get my next one's Overwatch. And then that's, that's my next one. So, well, and then No Man's Sky is swiftly approaching. So uh, that kind of puts a kink in the plans. It'll be fine. Yeah. But yeah, Uncharted 4, everyone should play it. It's amazing. So the first actual information about Pokemon Sun and Moon was dropped today. Hi. 
which is also awesome because it's the very first time I believe in the history of Pokemon that they actually, maybe since the first one that they did an actual like video, an official video came out that they actually showed not only just the starters, but some of the gameplay and a little bit of the world and the map and everything. Normally for people like me that just go crazy about Pokemon news and follow all this stuff. These are just little blurbs from Japanese magazines. And that's normally the first information that America ever gets. Right. Are just these tiny little pictures with almost no context. And the pictures are always terrible. Yeah. And you like have the no magazines one. always folded and like there's a glare <laughs> right. and it's like blurry and like zoomed in. <laughs> Someone took it with a Nokia in 1998 and yeah, time yeah, travel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So today we actually got a real video of real gameplay with three really, two really cool <laughs> starters. <laughs> I think that, so that there's three starters, which of course. So we have my personal favorite. We have a grass and flying owl, which is awesome. Rowlet. Yeah. And, and so it's the second grass flying type ever. Second only to Tropius. Which was a terrible... Garbage? Yeah, Pokemon that you would never use. Giant, sentient garbage monster? Yeah, and Pokemon has to do this. They have to kind of fill out their numbers, their right. roster. I'm a, big, a I'm a big palm tree dinosaur. <laughs> hey, y'all. Yeah, every every iteration of Pokemon, every gen, has some trash Pokemon that you would never actually use. That you even feel questionable about catching it. Right. Except to fill up your And Tropius is one of them. Yeah. And so to have an actual cool Pokemon, I'm crossing my fingers... I, I like owls anyway, but to have a cool grass starter that's also a bird and oh, that's so cool. I hope I hope it's a good. I hope it's a good Pokemon because I'm a little scared because I got burned by Snivy because when when those were dropped, I was like, okay, well, I don't really like Oshawa and I don't really like Tepig. Snivy's kind of cool. And then Seviper was just trash. Yeah, you got you got tricked. Yeah. And so. I'm really hoping we haven't seen the evolved forms yet, but hopefully it's really cool. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, the It's in a new region, which is the Alola region, which I am. Sigh. Yeah. I'm not happy about this name. I already, when I read it initially, I was already kind of like, Ooh, that's a weird name. Why did they go? Why did they go with that? But then I read that it's based kind of on Hawaii because all, all Pokemon regions are actually based on real places and on earth. And so apparently this one's based on Hawaii. And so they basically just took Aloha and, and changed one letter, one letter to Alola. Get out of here. I hate it, but it looks cool. So I don't really care. It's not actually going to matter in the, in the slightest. So November 18th, sun and moon. They, they also show the legendaries. The suns is some gigantic, awesome looking lion and moons is this pretty cool looking bat. I definitely think that the lion looks a lot cooler than the bat. Not that I really care about legendaries anyway, because I don't actually use them for any combat that isn't required by the story, but it's still cool to get one that is rad. And so (laughs) it's like, Oh, well the sun one's definitely way cooler. But then again, I thought the same thing about X and Y. I thought that I thought that X is, was, was way, way cooler. cooler. Yeah. yeah. That'll happen though with every iteration of legendaries, unfortunately. Yeah. But sometimes it's a lot worse than other times. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Sometimes it's bad, but yeah, I, I think it's, I'm pretty excited about it. I think that Litten looks really cool. Yeah. It's a fire. It's like a black and red fire type cat. 
that looks it's awesome. one of the other starters, and I'm really hoping that it ends up being fire dark type. Yeah, and I, I was really hoping for that as well because we've only ever had that with Houndoom, and Houndoom is rad. It would be really. I mean, it, it looks like it could be like it's yeah. it's almost all black except for like a couple of red stripes and like red whiskers. Yeah. So it would really it would make sense. Yeah, I'm I'm really crossing my fingers that it's it's evolution. It's third evolution becomes fire dark, which would oh, be awesome. Man. Love it. But then the third one, the water type is. Mm. Yeah, it's like a circus seal. Yeah, it's like a seal, but he has like a clown nose and like a clown collar. Yeah. So that better turn into something real, real cool. If that just if that just stays as like seal guy, it no, it better be seal team six or I'm not. <laughs> I feel like he's going to end up with just like a seltzer bottle and a cream pie. <laughs> he's going to drive off in a little car full of like a th- thousand other Pokemon. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I yeah, yeah I was of the three. I, I tend to go water almost every iteration of Pokemon. I almost always go water. I, I really like water starters for some reason. Every once in a while, don't like I said, like with with Snivy, right. but all, almost every other time I go water, and this time I saw the sea lion, and I was like, Poplio, Poplio, yeah, and also his name is stupid. So it's like we already have Dugong, like we don't need another seal with a stupid name. Yeah, which at least at least Dugong's name is is like sounds like exotic and like kind of cool. Yeah, but it's just a word. Yeah, it's not like every other Pokemon where their name is like a combination of things, right? Poor man, two jokes. It's just a thing. Yeah, and I, it also sucks because it does sound like like a circus name. Yeah, it sounds like like Poplio the Sea Lion. Really, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. Um, and then so one other thing that I want to talk about is the names of the legendaries haven't officially been released, but like a week ago, before the images were released, uh-huh. there were like reports of name leaks that might have been related to Pokemon, and there were theories that it might be the cover legendaries. Uh, and they just happen to be Solgaleo and Lunala, which have Sol and Luna in them. Yeah. Solgaleo also has Leo. Right. So it's it stands to reason that that's very likely their actual names. Okay. I think Solgaleo is a really cool name. Yeah, I feel like I can't pass that up. And I feel like if that's the real name of that thing, I'm going to have to go with Sun. Whereas right now I'm kind of favoring Moon. No. But uh, yeah, I feel like I might have to have to catch a Sun in life. So let's get into some movie talking. Yeah. Uh, Before we get into Civil War, uh, I just wanted to quickly talk about this because it's so bizarre. How bizarre? uh, How bizarre, indeed. (laughs) The the trailer for the new Kevin Smith movie dropped, uh, Yoga Hosers, and it looks wild. He basically just stopped giving an F. So my theory is that he got tired of, because he's had some movies that he put a ton of work and time into, right. and then they failed critically. Right. Uh, and that's probably, for someone who I, I've kind of always gotten the impression that he was probably really hard on himself and probably has a lot of anxiety issues. Right. That's probably like crushing. Yeah. So if anyone saw Tusk, you kind of got a feel for where his career is headed because he's just going, he's just going to the wall. He's doubling it. down on the Tusk. Yeah, yeah. So Yoga Hosers is um, a horror comedy, I'm I'm Got the implication, <laughs> or the impression, rather. <laughs> got the implication. Um, I got the impression that it's a horror comedy, but essentially, so in Tusk, Johnny Depp and Kevin Smith's daughters play convenience store clerks. Um, and I got the impression that that was like an homage to clerks and just kind of supposed to be like a bit. Right. Or a, a homage, if you prefer. Um, and it also in Tusk, Johnny Depp plays like this really 
caricaturized French Canadian detective Uh who's like a super well-known famous like manhunt detective who like tracks people down for like like various crimes. So they all play dog the bounty hunter. Yeah, dog the bounty hunter, but like unrecognizable as Johnny Depp. (laughs) Uh, He's got prosthetics and like a weird costume and okay and an accent. But anyhow, they they all three play those same characters in Yoga Hosers. Okay. So the two girls are the main characters, and he shows up as a supporting character. So I don't really know what the plot is from watching this trailer. (laughs) But at some point, these sentient Nazi sausages show up. Literally like small sausage-sized sausages (laughs) that have like Nazi uniforms on and like run around killing people and are Nazis. And they call them Bratzies. (laughs) This is a real movie that's coming out. <coughs> Kevin Smith made a movie called Yoga Hosers. <laughs> starring his and Johnny Depp's daughters. And they're in like a band together. And that's like the thing. They're just, ooh, we're like two. They're both named Colleen. They're in a band together. And they are convenience store clerks. And then they just have to fight this army of Bratzies. Which is like these tiny, <laughs> tiny Nazi sausages. I'm not kidding. This seems like we're just doing a bit. I, this is a real movie. You can go look at the trailer right now. Bronzy's yeah, he's like dead. Bronzy slays me. Yeah, he's dead right now. Uh, and the thing about it is, so this is the same universe as Tusk, right? So that's two weird, bizarre, <laughs> frightening, creepy like horror movies that he's made. Right. So apparently, also he's making at least one more uh, horror movie, which I'm assuming is in the same universe. Yeah. It's called Moose Jaws, and the tagline is literally. It's like Jaws, but with a moose. <laughs> this is real. This is the news, people. But yeah, so ho- hop online and go check out Yoga Hosers. Oh, my Lord. And while you're at it, watch the uh, the Swiss Army Man trailer just to really oh, double down. Woof. Well, now we can now we can jump over to, to Civil War. Let's get down to it. Let's waste another 30 minutes. Yeah, so we, we watched, Danny and I watched Civil War for the second time again today. Oh, just a few hours ago. Yeah, so we watched it Thursday night at midnight. Technically Friday. And then um, for any any lawyers that are listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we, we got to watch it again today. And it's absolutely fantastic yeah it's so good and and i agree with your assessment that i think it was better the second time because i was able to sort of separate myself from the you know the ridiculous action and fan service and actually pay attention yeah as opposed to just like feeling like a child (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's incredible and it has like a perfect blend of first and foremost i think it had like the most action of any marvel movie yet yeah and then, but not as a detraction, like it was just awesome and action packed while still being much more than just like a, a typical action, action movie. It had a ton of great dialogue going on and had a ton of great character development and emotional parts, awesome stuff going on. It, it hit on all cylinders for me. I loved it. Yeah, it was phenomenal. There were so many good moments. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen the movie yet, we're going to talk about moments that aren't shown in the trailers. So. I think my number one moment, there were a lot, it's hard to decide, but I think my number one was, was giant man. Yeah. That was, that was a, a, a huge, cool thing. And we've talked Literally. about it. <laughs> well, we've talked about it. We both really like Ant-Man and we both loved the Ant-Man movie. And so it was really cool because I was worried about it. I, and we talked about it before. I'm like, is he going to go giant man? Because he's not so useful in a fight against superheroes. Right. Just being able to shrink. 
That being said, he did well before yeah. he went Giant Man. Yeah, but there's just only so so much you can do. How many times can you climb inside somebody's clothes and like prank them? Yeah, but when you <laughs> just get to become like just a, a enormous guy and just start swinging around wildly and just destroying everything in your path. Yeah. So when I first saw Ant Man, um, you know, in theaters uh, Thursday night at midnight, um, <laughs> as I do, at the end of the movie, he's blowing things up. Right. He like makes that ant huge and he makes that like a toy train huge. Yeah. And I was like, is this going to happen? They're showing us right now that the technology has the power to make things giant. Yeah. And I thought he was going to go giant man and just swat yellow jacket. And that would have been awesome. Yeah. That would have been cool. It didn't happen, but it does happen in civil war and it's awesome. Yeah. It is. It's super incredible. Cool. And then Spider-Man's there being like the coolest he's ever been oh, in, yeah. in TV. Toby and, and Andrew Garfield just got destroyed. Yeah. They got made to look worse than they already did. If you didn't like any of those movies. Yeah. Like not only did they nail Spider-Man and they, and they absolutely did. They had, they had him doing all of his iconic stuff. The, the cool hitting people with stuff with, you know, like swinging the web and just nailing people with, Oh yeah, he with, was slingshotting himself. Like yeah. he does it like eight times in that fight. Yeah. And just getting people and, and, and smacking them with the web. Love it. Uh, but is that coming out of you? <laughs> yes. But also they nailed Peter Parker. Oh yeah. More so than anyone ever Absolutely. has. And, and I thought that Garfield did better than McGuire. Mm-hmm. Of actually feeling like Spider-Man as yeah. opposed to just, yeah, an, a guy, but that that guy, that Tom new, Holland. Yeah, he just knocks it out of the park. Where it's it's just another one of those absolute perfect Marvel castings. Yeah, that it's just like yeah, that's that's Peter Parker. That's that's exactly how Peter Parker. And acts. he actually was in the movie a lot more than I thought he was going to. Yeah, be. me too. I thought he was just going to show up and just do the Spider Man fight and then leave. Right. But it was really cool. There's actually a, a really cool scene where basically they took out any any and all need for a uh, an origin story for Spider-Man because we don't need it. Right. We don't need Spider-Man's origin story at this point. It's like Superman or Batman. Everyone mm. on Earth knows. Yeah. I would say even more so. Probably less people know Superman's actual origin. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, everyone knows where Spider-Man came from. You don't have to address it. I'm so glad that Marvel chose to do it that way. And the best part is they even do like a bit like he gets like a sad face and looks down at the floor like he's about to he's like, it's a long story. And he starts to take a breath. And then Tony interrupts him and just starts talking about yeah. nonsense. Yeah. And, and that's awesome. And I'm, I'm so glad that Marvel went that route. And hopefully they just continue on with Homecoming, even though that's a terrible name. But with Homecoming, hopefully it's just a continuation. And it's Spider-Man after Civil War and him just going back to high school and being thrust into this completely new world with the new suit that Tony made him, and perfect, perfect. yeah, and 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 it is absolutely perfect, and you it annuls any need for an origin story, and it thrusts him directly into an actual cool movie where he just gets to be Spider Man with none of none of the other you know erroneous stuff. Yeah. That, that everyone knows he got bit by a spider. Everyone knows he got powers. Everyone knows he became a wrestler and got Uncle Ben killed by not interfering because he was. He was mad at the guy. Yeah. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows that. Yeah. If I see Uncle Ben die one more time, I'm going (laughs) to stop liking Spider-Man. Right. So, and it's also cool because they went into the whole thing much more than they did. And again, they didn't do it at all, really, with uh, Tobey Maguire. They did it a little bit with Garfield of him being intelligent. But they really did it this time where he's just like nerd guy. Right. 
And I was so pumped about that because it's like Spider-Man's super smart and he's just a nerd. He's just a nerd. Yeah. And I think one thing that I really liked that was kind of subtly done that really speaks to, you know, him, him as an actor, but also the directing uh, is the way that when he was Peter Parker, he was stuttering and unsure of himself and nervous. But then as soon as he was Spider-Man, he was confident. He was crafting bits. Oh, yeah. He was, you know, cracking jokes in the middle of getting like punched in the face. He was, <laughs> yeah. You know, it was great. Yeah. He was he was so like confident and full of himself and like full of like life and just like but when he was Peter, he was just like, "Uh, um, uh yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that sounds great." Yeah, it is cool. It, it was such cool. a cool little like subtle like character development just to see that. Yeah. And then also you brought it up earlier like him catching uh Winter Soldier's arm, just like catching like a full Winter Soldier punch and just being like, "Oh yeah, like cool. Like this is your metal well, arm." Well, you have a metal arm. That's awesome. He's <laughs> yeah. like not even he's like twisting Winter Soldier's arm away like like he's a child. And he <laughs> just so says cool. he just makes some bit about the arm being cool. But I think my favorite moment in regards to Spider-Man is instead of going into the whole Uncle Ben thing or even saying the line, you know, with great power mm-hmm. comes great responsibility. He has a line where he says to Tony, "When you can do the things that I can and you don't, and then the bad things happen. They happen because of you. Yeah. And that's such a better way of saying with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah, I yeah. absolutely love that line. Right. That's it, probably my favorite line in the entire movie. Yeah. And it's awesome because it's not so ambivalent. No. And it, and it is awesome. And it's, it's also more applicable to an everyday person in real life. Yeah. It's so good. When you can do the things that I can and you don't, and then the bad things happen, they happen because of you. Yeah. That's and so and cool. you see it hits Tony too. Like, so, anyway, Civil War was great. There's so many good moments. All the characters are wonderful. All the characters that maybe people had argued had not had good development or good, uh, like, characterization in the previous films, that's all great. Falcon's incredible. Hawkeye's incredible. Uh, Black Widow took a whole other step up again. She just keeps getting better and better and more badass in every single movie. Like, exponentially so. Vision Vision was great. Scarlet Witch was great. Ant-Man was in like the top three characters in the movie. Yeah. Bucky, and, there, and there's Bucky a lot of bits. There's a lot of bits. Yeah. It's hilarious. Throughout Every time Falcon movie. calls Ant-Man Tic Tac, I like almost have to leave the theater. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. So also yeah, go see it. Black Panther's incredible. It will yeah. get you so hyped up for his standalone film. Go see civil war. We won't spoil anything. Yeah. Else yeah. About it. I think that's as much as we can say about it without just, we liked the movie. <laughs> Guess what? A Marvel movie came out and me and Garrett liked it. Spoiler, that's the spoiler. Oh, yeah. So I wanted to tell you about a cool thing I found on Kickstarter um, because it's really, really a unique idea, I feel like. It's a a tabletop RPG that I found or a pen and paper RPG if you're 40. Um, It's called Threadbare. And uh, it's essentially... I'm really tired of the use of the word punk after a descriptor. Right. You know, steampunk and cyberpunk and dieselpunk and crud right. punk and food punk and shirt punk and hair punk and whatever else. Um, but this is, this is called stitch punk, which I actually think kind of like, isn't that terrible of a usage? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to like shut me down. No, no, I, th- I think it's cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So essentially uh, it's a, you know, a, an adventure R- RPG tabletop pen and paper RPG where you play a, a toy or a stuffed animal. Uh, so it's apparently they said it was very heavily influenced by the movie nine. Yeah. Um, I like that movie a lot, but the description they have on the, on the Kickstarter is threadbare is a role-playing game in which you play a jury rigged toy in a broken world. 
Caught in a world where entropy is a constant danger, you'll patch yourself up, invent new devices, and maybe make new friends along the way. Um, so essentially, you kind of play like Sid's toys from Toy Story 1. Right. Um, but there's three different types. So there's a softy, which is like a stuffed animal or a plush. Okay. Uh, there's a mecha, which is a hard shelled or like metal or plastic toy, you know, like a transformer or a GI Joe. Right. Uh, and there's literally sock. You can play like a sock puppet, like a sock that was lost in the laundry. That's essentially. awesome. That's so uh, cool. And then as you go through the game, you get injured, you know, your arm gets chopped off. You sew on, say you're a, a teddy bear, your arm gets chopped off and you sew on like a tiger plush arm. And then that actually affects your character, both in like stats and in personality. That's so cool. Or like you're a transformer and your arm gets blown off and you put on, you glue on like a GI Joe arm. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. That's a cool mechanic. And I, I like that. And I always like, you know, we played a lot of tabletop games and, and like I, at least one. Yeah. And I always like that. I like the, anytime a character can go through mechanical changes that also lead to personality changes is always really cool yeah. for me. And that's, it's something that happens a lot in uh world of darkness games and like white wolf games in general. Right. And so I, I, am a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of that mechanic. But yeah, uh, they did say that the game is, is less so like combat heavy okay. other than uh, a lot of other RPGs. Uh, and it's more about like crafting and building and repairing. That's more the focus of the actual game, which I'm so super into. There is combat, but it'll be more infrequent. Uh, but I think it sounds really, really cool. They, they've already crushed their goal. I didn't retain the actual information, but they have like 23 days left and they've already crushed their goal. So that's awesome. That's really cool. I'm glad to hear that. So a Kickstarter that I wanted to tell you about was there's a, a game tack that's mentioned a very little bit in a book called a wise man's fear, mm-hmm. which was by Patrick Rothfuss. It's the sequel to um, his book. The Name of Wind? Mm-hmm. Name of the Wind? I don't remember. Anyway, they're both awesome, and I've read both, and they're incredible books, and I can't wait for his next one. But yeah, it's this game that's mentioned kind of almost in passing that they don't, it doesn't go really into it right. at all, which is a very common trope in, in fantasy games. Will of Time does it, and Game of Thrones did it. Star Wars did it. Yeah, I would say the majority of like fictional games just are like mentioned in passing or shown in passing as almost like, look at this cool thing that exists in this world. Yeah. Nothing about it. Yeah. So that happened with this. And he, he mentioned this, this game and his friend, he just has like a bro who just invents games. Who's won awards for inventing games and was like, Hey man, I'll, I'll make that game for you. And so it's actually a really funny Kickstarter video. If you, if you have any interest in it, go check it out. Uh, because it shows Patrick Rothfuss talking about this stuff and he's, I'd never heard him talk before and he is hilarious. But he starts talking about it, and he's like, "I didn't, I didn't have any interest in this, and I figured that it would be a terrible game, right? And that if it was actually made, like it would be a terrible game, and if it wasn't a terrible game, people would still hate to play it." And then he was like, "So his bro was like, let me just do it," and so he was like, "Okay, like make a game," and so he made this game, and it's super cool looking because it's incredibly simplistic, right? And so from what I gathered from it, I haven't played it or anything, but you can only do two things when it's your turn. You take turns. It's it's just two players. You play opposed to one another. And it's basically like a, a, a kind of a combo of tic-tac-toe and like connect four. And what was that? 
like Asian inspired game that we played, Suro. Oh yeah, yeah, Suro. Yeah, kind of like that. Like if you mixed all three, right, of you're those. kind of trying to create a path across the board. Yeah, so you you try to create a a path while your opponent tries to create a path going the other way. Right. So you're trying to start from your side and reach the other side of the board, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And so each turn, you can lay down. What from what I I took of it, you you can either lay down a piece or move a piece that's already on the board. Right. And all of the pieces, each player just has one like capstone piece that kind of trumps the other pieces, but you only have one. And then all of the other pieces are just pieces like flat pieces and they're just different colored depending on the players. Right. And you can set them down normally, which constitutes a road and you can stack them on one another. Mm-hmm. And then you can also flip them on their end and they become a wall. Mm-hmm. And so it seems incredibly simple, but incredibly hard depending right, on... Right, right. Like strategically, it seems really, really rich. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's... I mean, you could teach like a five-year-old how to play that. Right. And it's just like a little grid board with like a handful of little blocks. Yeah. You you could actually just make it yourself. Like fully one one or two, the, the like the first or... I think it's the first two levels of backer prizes are just like... Hey, the rules and like some cool other stuff right. for it because anyone, you could just go make this in, in like 15 minutes out of like $5, but yeah, get a chessboard and some starbursts. <laughs> yeah. But they actually have some cool looking and really nice, rich setups right, right. Uh, that you can get on their Kickstarter. And I'm thinking about backing it because I think it's only 25 bucks. Yeah, It looks great. It looks like a lot of fun. It seems like, again, it's simple, but also like really deep. Yeah. Like it, it's just one of those games that you, you could get. I mean, checkers is incredibly simple and you can be crazily good and crazily bad at it. Right. Depending on, you know, I, I used to think I was good at, at checkers as a kid. And then I played like a dude that was just like king dude to checkers. And I was like, oh, never mind. Yep. I don't know what checkers is. And, and and to me, it kind of feels like that when I was, when I was, when I was reading of the rules, I was like, I feel like this, you, you could learn it very easily and then not know anything about what you're doing against someone that really knows what they're yeah, doing. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like checkers, tic-tac-toe connect four. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a better, that's a better way of saying it. But yeah, it seems really cool. I think I'm going to get behind it. And Patrick Rothfuss is rad. His books are awesome. So I, I, I would, I, I'm always interested in, in those like Kickstarters where it's, it's actually based on like an IP that yeah. I'm familiar with. I'm always jazz hands about that. And so I, I really like his universe anyway. Yeah. So that's funny. It actually reminded me of something else that I saw on Kickstarter and I don't have a lot of information about it because I just saw it in passing, but yeah. uh, you mentioned star Wars and, and fictional games, right? They're actually kickstarting um, essentially Sabacc. Oh, right. From, right. from star Wars. Right. Uh, it's not called that, right? Because of, yeah, obvious reasons, but it is, it's an augmented reality game. Okay. So you're looking through, you know, a tablet at the table and it is a little grid and you do have a bunch of little like claymation kind of looking monsters that fight each other. Right. And all the, the creatures are all being designed by the guy who actually designed Sabacc in Star Wars. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So the game itself is not being made by him, but he's helping with the design of the creatures and everything like that. That's really cool. So that, like that, that comes back to that same thing of, you know, some fictional game that was just like a bit. Right. Uh, and then now we're, you know, 30 years later, we're getting, oh, here's the actual game. That's awesome. So that's, I just thought I would mention that. That was really cool. And you know what they do need to make is Pazak. 
in an actual in an actual where's that yeah where's that that game was incredibly addicting we got the what's the game from witcher 3 gwent yeah we got gwent like the day witcher 3 came out they (laughs) released actual physical cards yeah and gwent was pretty cool gwent gwent cards came with like a specific edition of the game Really? Yeah, there was like a collector's edition you could get and get like a limited. It might have been like the Xbox collector's edition and you could get like a limited deck of Gwent cards and then they've released more since then. Whoa. So yeah. like, come on. Gwent was cool. Yeah, but uh, I, I love Pazak. Yeah, Pazak is awesome. Yeah, I, I it was one of the few times that I've played a game where I got more absorbed for a while in the, a side game within a game. Right. Then I like I, I did the same thing with... Um, Oh, the card game in Final Fantasy VIII. Yes. I actually, there was like, there was a while where I didn't even care about progressing the storyline. I just wanted to play people in that card game. And just get more cards. Because it was so cool. I love that. I love like games within games. Yeah. And they did the same thing that, I mean, it's, it's an easier way of doing it, but when they do like the um, gambling rooms in games, right? Like they had the, the gam the blackjack room in uh super Mario RPG. They got uh, slot machines in Pokemon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, Pazak is super, super, super cool. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, that'll be cool to see if they actually did a real version of that. What I want, where's the real life version of Blitzball? Oh, yeah, Blitzball was rad, too. That, L- yeah. A little bit harder to do in real life. <laughs> yeah. Unless yeah. you just make it VR. Yeah, or you swim. Or you just swim in like a weird <laughs> three-dimensional like water <laughs> balloon bubble. Yeah, that was a, that was a cool thing. I, I love games being invented for fantasy yeah like quidditch quidditch is like the coolest thing did and you I, see that video yeah i did it was so cool some people like skydiving and playing quidditch is what i'm referring to you can youtube it it's they, viral. they look uncomfortable they do but it still is it really cool really looking. cool but yeah sorry to go off on a tangent about fictional games but love uh, it yeah oh and that's tack t-a-k in case you were wondering oh yeah sorry about that cool yeah that's it Another one in the bank. Yeah, see you next week. Yep.